Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, we want to read the gospel Easter story. Then we'll look at one verse from the Apostle Paul. And then we'll attempt to preach our message. Remember, he is risen. Matthew 28, beginning with verse number one. The Bible says, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Now come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. Now one more verse. If you go to 2 Timothy, the second chapter in verse 8. 2 Timothy, the second chapter in verse 8. Paul writing to that young preacher, Timothy. Paul writes, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, Descended from David, this is my gospel. This is my gospel. I want to talk about remembering He is risen. The resurrection of our Lord is um, central to everything that we believe. Without it, there is no real Christianity. The Gospels give us the event of the resurrection. Where the book of Acts shows us the experience of the resurrection. And we see how it impacted those early followers of the Lord, how it transformed their lives. And then, of course, the epistles give us the explanation of the death and resurrection of our Lord. The Holy Spirit inspired deeper teaching, explaining the fullness and the rich eternal message of Christ dead, Christ living forevermore. Now, the Apostle Paul, he used the theme of the resurrection throughout his writings. For example, what we read was a perfect example. Paul was dictating some final letters. He's in prison. He's going to lose his life shortly because he preached the gospel. And he's dictating some final letters before martyrdom. And he addresses his young son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy was a young preacher. And Paul was determined that the young man would not fall or uh, fail under the pressures of preaching the gospel and facing the persecution of that early church. So he exhorts Timothy, Son, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, come what may, remember your Jesus is alive. No matter what happens, stand confidently in that. Let the certainty of that truth forever give you strength and grace as you fight your good fight of faith. Because, friend, the fact that Jesus is alive, that fact alone should give us a present strength for every battle that we face. It should give us a certainty of victory for every future that we all have to walk into. Now, the message for us today, one writer put it like this, to know that Jesus is alive is all that really matters. 
For in our risen Lord, we find the courage to live and we find the comfort one day to die. Storms will test us and trials will stretch us. The enemy will try to hinder us, but you just keep remembering and you never forget He is alive. Jesus reigns. He has risen and He lives with you and He walks with you and He's there for you forever and forevermore. The believers rally and cry. It's literally remember and keep on remembering Jesus Christ raised from the dead. This morning, two quick truths that should really bless our hearts when it comes to exploring and appreciating the cross and the resurrection of our Lord. Number one, let's look at the proving of Christ's claims, the proving of His claims. Then secondly, the prompting of our celebration, the prompting, the motivation behind the reason we shout and the reason we sing and the reason we are an overcoming people. Number one, the proving of Christ's claims. You know, it's good to know that we're following and serving someone that we can trust. You know, if the resurrection isn't true, then Christianity is really not a viable hope for anybody. I mean, but thank God the resurrection is the evidence that what Jesus did was meaningful, was valuable, and what He said was truthful. It proved that His Word can be trusted. It proved that you and I can put our faith and confidence in His Word, but He's here to back it up. The resurrection of Jesus Christ does at least three things this morning to prove to us His claims that He made on earth. Number one, it vindicates His Word. It vindicates His Word. Secondly, it validates His work. And thirdly, it verifies His worth. Number one, the resurrection of Jesus Christ vindicates His Word. It proves, it confirms the trustworthiness, the um, dependability of the Word of God. For instance, on several occasions, Jesus predicted that He would be killed, He would be buried, and that He would rise again on the third day. And He said it often. He said it over and over again. But it's as if people never heard Him. It's like they didn't sink in. I mean, at least one person. Let's get one person. Remember Joseph of Arimathea? He's about the only one, I think, that it really sunk in because he was a rich man, a wealthy man, a generous man. And he went to Pilate after they crucified Jesus and he asked for the body, put him in his tomb. And he had his own tomb. He's a wealthy man. And so on says, why in the world would you? Oh, that's a great tomb you have. Why would you let someone else be buried in it? He says, oh, I figure he just needed it for the weekend. Amen. Because he believed. Amen. He believed he wasn't going to stay in that tomb. Amen. He's not just going to have it for the weekend. He's not staying there. Death can't keep him. The grave couldn't hold him. He's alive forevermore. Can you say amen? It vindicated His Word. When we study the resurrection accounts, we see that the angels reminded the women not just that He had risen, but also the fact that He told them He would. For example, looking at the Gospels, you know Matthew 28, He's not here, He's risen, just as He said. Mark 16, He's risen. He's not here. But He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him just as He told you. Luke 24, He's not here. He is risen. Remember how He told you when He was with you. You see, Jesus made it clear that He was going to come back from the grave. And even His enemies knew it. That's why they had put the guards there. That's why they secured the tomb like they did. But really, all those guards did was um, confirm the Word of God to us. It just showed us that God really did raise them from the dead. I mean, if the guards were there, how else do you explain it? Nobody came and stole his body. The guards would have stopped them from doing that. The guards would have kept them. He rose again. 
And when He rose again, He vindicated His Word. He proved to you and I that He'd been telling the truth the whole time as well as proving His deity. Everything Jesus said that He would do, He did. And everything that He promises to do, He will do. If He hadn't come out of the tomb, the rest of what He said would be meaningless. I mean, what a, talk about a lack of credibility. You don't want to have a problem of credibility in the one you're hoping your eternal life upon. The one you're entrusting your forever on. You don't want that person to have a problem with credibility. Can I say amen to that? I mean, if Jesus wasn't telling the truth about His resurrection, then what do we do about all the other wonderful promises that He gave us? Promises of salvation. Promises of a second coming. Promises of the hope called heaven. Promises of the help He said of the Holy Spirit, promises of our privilege of prayer, promises of His continual care that He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, if He can't be trusted, then none of those promises can be trusted. But praise God, when He came out of the tomb, He shows us this one thing. You can trust the words of Jesus. You can bank on the words of Jesus. He's not a man that He should ever lie. He's able to fulfill whatever He promises. So whatever promise you might need today... Remember the resurrection and be reminded that Jesus you serve, His words are faithful and His words are true. And you can trust them and you can lean and rest your heart upon them. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He's alive to fulfill them with all power and glory to bring them to pass. Somebody say Amen. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Let the resurrection assure you and I today, His promises are still reliable and His Word can still be trusted. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. Simply what that teaches us, every good promise of God, Old Testament, New Testament, joy, peace, eternal life, every good promise of God are made possible they're fulfilled and they're found in Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the door. He is the access to every good thing that God the Father desires to give you and I. So this morning, you know, you might be here today and you might have a decision to make. Or maybe you have a need to be met or a burden that needs to be carried. Maybe you're here today and you have a sin that needs to be forgiven, needs to be erased. Well, I've got good news for you. Jesus, the Son of God, He has risen and He has a promise for you. And it's a promise you can believe. It's a promise you can trust. He's alive to enforce it. He's got power to fulfill it. Whatever you have need of, your answer is Jesus Christ, the risen One who loves you with an everlasting love, who went to that cross but didn't stay in that cross. He shed His blood that you and I might be forgiven. He shed His blood that you and I would no longer be strangers and strays and rebels, but now we can be sons and made right with the Holy God. He shed His blood that we can be saved from our sins, but also that we can enter in and enjoy the abundant life that He desires for every one of His people. Friend, if uh, He could be faithful in His claim of resurrection, then you and I can certainly trust Him in every other area of our lives. In the resurrection... There is the proving of Christ's claims. We see in the resurrection He vindicated His Word, but secondly, He validated His work. Validate means it's the sign of approval. It's the sign of, um, it affirms, it certifies it, it sanctions it. Jesus says, I haven't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. 
a ransom. That's the price paid for a slave. He shed his blood to pay the price that you and I who were slaves to sin don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. Amen. And he said, I came for, for, for in the place of the sacrifice was for a substitute for you and for me. So we look at this. It validates his work. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins in his body. But if he hadn't come back from the grave, we would not know the sacrifice was accepted by God the Father. The resurrection is the Father's sign of approval. It says He accepted that shed blood. He accepted the sacrifice of His only begotten Son. One writer put it like this, The cross is Christ's payment for our debt. The resurrection is God's receipt for the full amount. It's God the Father saying, I'm satisfied. This sacrifice is accepted. Payment received in full. It's an acceptable currency. The Father's approval was seen in the resurrection of His only begotten Son. Take note, Christ died for our sins. He didn't die for His sins. He didn't have any. He didn't die by Rome's might. They weren't mighty enough to nail the Son of God to the cross had He not wanted to go. He didn't go there because He was forced there by men. He didn't go there because somehow He was outwitted by devils. He went there because He loved you and He loved me. He went there willingly as the Lamb that willingly allowed Himself to be led, to be slain and sacrificed that you and I could know forgiveness. That you and I could have the hope of heaven. That you and I could know that one glad morning when we close our eyes here, We'll open them in glory and we'll see this great Jesus face to face. We'll hear that voice with these ears. We can throw aside faith. We'll have sight. We can touch Him. We can talk with Him. We can walk with Him. Oh, somebody, be happy this morning. You serve a risen Savior. You serve a loving Savior. And He loves you. Someone says, why Why does sin have to be atoned for? Well, because Almighty God demands that sin in order to be forgiven must be properly paid for or atoned for. Because the Holy God demands not just any sacrifice, but a worthy sacrifice, a sufficient sacrifice. And only the blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless, perfect Lamb, man, was worthy. His death was for you and I. And the cross, thank God, accomplished its purpose. The resurrection validates that. The resurrection tells us that. The resurrection proves the work on the cross was accepted by God the Father and now can be appropriated by you and I. When Jesus came out of the tomb, His victory over death became God's sign of His acceptance of that sacrifice. And now whosoever will can come to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. That's why we find in the Scripture death and resurrection, death and resurrection, always in the same context, because death without resurrection would prove of no value whatsoever. The Apostle Paul was a brilliant man. He was a great, deep theologian, but... I like how he had the ability to apply what I call common sense to his theology. Common sense. You have to have some common sense to your theology. If you can't bring it on home, you know, you can talk Greek, Hebrew, Italian. do not make any difference. If you can't bring it to where people live, you're just a talker. But Paul, as brilliant as he was, having the revelations like no one else, he was able to bring his theology back to um, common language. We could all get it. Concerning the ultimate importance of Jesus and His resurrection to you and I. I like how he writes in 1 Corinthians 15. We'll look at verse 14 and then we'll jump over to verses 17 through 19. 
But 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 14, he writes, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If Jesus isn't alive right now, everything we believed is such a sham. It's just something we made up to get through this crazy world. Thank God He's alive and thank God our faith is real. Can you say amen? And he goes on, he says that now in verse 17, he says, listen, if Christ hasn't been raised, and uh, if Christ hadn't been raised, but He has been raised, praise God for that. And I'm waiting for the Scripture. We're going to get the Scripture because He's been raised. You and I have a God we can talk to. And if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is futile because it's in nothing. It's in make-believe if Christ has not been raised. Oh my, and we're still in our sins. Think about it. If He hasn't been raised, then that sacrifice was not accepted. Then He was just another martyr, another just religious man. Then God the Father did not approve of that sacrifice. And then you and I are in a rough place because we know that we can't earn our own salvation. We know there's nothing we can do to somehow appease this holy, holy God. But if Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile and we're still in our sins. Is anyone glad this morning that He was raised and that blood was worthy and therefore we are freed, we are forgiven, our sins are gone, our sins are gone. No more guilt, no more shame. We're in Christ, therefore there is now no condemnation, no accusation, no intimidation. We're right before God. We stand righteous before the Holy, Holy God because of the blood of Jesus was worthy because Christ has risen. Let's look at that next verse. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If Christ be not raised, go ahead to the next one. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all men. If Jesus hasn't been raised again, then what about those that have gone before us? But I'm so glad this morning to declare to you Jesus is alive. He was not a man. He was all man, yet He was all God. He was God that came down in human flesh to die for you and I, but the grave could not keep Him and death could not hold Him. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now He's living forevermore. And you and I can have eternal life. And you and I can know that when we finish our course here, there's an eternity with God forever and forever. And those that have gone before us, they're already there in the presence of the Lord. Those that love the Lord, those that have put their faith in Him. They're not just sitting in a grave, but their presence, their spirit is with the Lord. Heaven's a reality because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And our life down here is just temporary. There's a greater world to come, and friends. There's a greater world to come because Jesus Christ has risen. And Paul brought that down home. If for only this life, he says, we're fools. You better eat, drink, and be merry. What's the point of it all? But he has risen. Amen. And we shall see him face to face one day. You see, the resurrection matters because it validates. It proves. It approves of the work that Jesus did on the cross. That was God the Father's communication to us. I accept that sacrifice. He wasn't just a martyr. Peter didn't get raised like that. Paul didn't get raised like that. Because they were sinful men like you and I. Only Jesus Christ lived without sin. Only Jesus Christ was the worthy sacrifice that God the Father accepts as a sacrifice for everyone that will come to God through Him. What you and I could never do for ourselves, Jesus did on Calvary for us. And when we receive Him, we receive the prize and the riches of Calvary. The cross says, the resurrection declares 
that the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross was accepted by God and can be appropriated by us. Our faith in Christ, your faith in Christ, can bring to you the forgiveness that Calvary offers, can give you the righteousness and the peace that the cross offers, can give you and I the eternal life that Calvary grants everyone. Jesus accomplished His work of salvation, and now you and I, by faith, can take possession of the prize. The prize of Calvary and the riches of eternal life. Ours, because we serve a living Savior, because the sacrifice was acceptable, that you and I can receive the victory of it. Glory be to His name. The proving of His claims. There is the vindication of His Word. When Christ rose from the dead, it tells you and I we can trust the words of Jesus. We can put our faith in those wonderful promises. Not just for eternal life, but the many things we need in the here and now. He has spoken many wonderful promises, and we can trust them and believe them because He's trustworthy. But secondly, it validates His work. Everything on the cross had meaning. Everything on the cross was not just a martyr's death. There was meaning there. And that's why we studied the Bible to see the full expression of what happened on Calvary. What happened when He rose from the dead. When He rose, it was God the Father saying, I accept that sacrifice and everything that it offers. You can have it through My Son. Lastly, I'll tell you what, the cross and the resurrection verifies His worth. Not just vindicates the Word. Not just validates the work, but it verifies His worth. Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is worthy. Jesus is deserving. This speaks of the importance, the value, the uniqueness, the esteem, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. That's why we praise Him like we do. That's why we raise our hands and give Him glory. That's why we honor Him. That's why we tell others about Him. That's why we love Him so. That's why we, we get excited about Jesus. That's why we're unashamed and uninhibited to praise His name, to give Him glory. Because Jesus Christ is worthy. Jesus Christ alone is worthy of our praise and of our song. If the crucifixion had been the end of the story, He would have been remembered for a little while. Maybe a leader of a religious Jewish sect. Maybe as a prophet, a teacher. Maybe some history buffs might remember the name as a, a, magi- a magician or a miracle worker back in those days. But when he came out of that grave, bringing with him the power over death and the eternal life to whoever will believe him, Jesus became much more than just a memory or a martyr. He proved himself to be God. The imposters died in the counterfeits. Their tombs are still sealed. But the resurrection and the life, (laughs) He lives forevermore. And because He lives, we shall live also. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And whosoever believeth in Me, though he might die, you'll live forevermore. And whoever puts their faith in Christ, in your life death has been defeated. In your life sin no longer has the last word. But as Jesus has triumphed, so shall ye that put your faith in Him. Christ's resurrection verifies His worth. It declares to you and I this morning, Jesus is worthy. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the conqueror of sin, death, hell, and the grave. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only access to the Father. 
He has risen and He is reigning. And those of us that have met Him personally can declare He's changed our lives and we've never been the same. That's why we sing like we do with wholeheartedness and joy and rejoicing because He's worthy and He's transformed our lives. That's why the angels around the throne of God, the Bible says, continually and loudly are declaring, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain but lives forever and forevermore. That's why the Scripture tells us that God the Father has exalted Jesus to the highest place, the highest place of rank, the highest place of prominence, the highest place of dominion, authority, of privilege, of title, and power. The Bible says God the Father has exalted Jesus to the highest place and given Him a name that is above every other name. And God the Father has decreed that at the name of Jesus, the risen Son of God, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This He's worthy. He's worthy. The resurrection declares Jesus is worthy of your song. He's worthy of your devotion. He's worthy of your very best efforts and service in pleasing Him. Jesus is worthy of our praise. Jesus is worthy of our everything. Can you say Amen? He's risen, He's Lord, and He's worthy. He's worthy. No one else died and rose again. No one else shed sinless blood to redeem us from the curse and make us right with God. The proving of Christ's claims. We think about the resurrection. Remember, it vindicates His Word. It validates His work. Verifies His worth. But remember, lastly, the prompting. There's the proving of his claims. There's the prompting or the promoting of the church's celebration. Friend, those of you that know the Lord, you know, you should be a very positive, a very confident, a very bold, sure, daring individual. I mean, if God before us, who can be against us? Amen? If that Bible says the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead dwells in us, well, that's something to be sure about. Amen? That's something to be confident about and daring about. Uh, A triumphant spirit should describe the church of Jesus Christ and those who follow the Lord. In spite of opposition, in spite of a fallen world, in spite of misunderstanding, His church, His people should be a rejoicing people, a celebrating people, a victorious living people, a people that powerfully advance through life, going from faith to faith and victory to victory. Listen, friend, hell's been defeated, Satan's days are numbered, and we are being led triumphantly by our Savior and our King. Those that truly know the risen one, it should put something in you. There should be a confidence. There should be a surety. There should be a boldness. You know the one that was dead but now lives forevermore. You know the one whose name is above every other name. You know the one that said all power and authority, both in heaven and earth, belong to me. You go forth and I'll be with you forever. The one that's with us cannot be defeated. The one that has filled us with this Spirit cannot be denied. And you and I that love the Lord, it should do something in how we face life and how we walk through this life. We are a people that celebrate with hearts full of joy and hearts full of hope because we have an expectation for we keep on remembering the truth. He's alive, He's risen, and He reigns forevermore. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And all that means and all that brings to you and I 
Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of God the Father with power and authority. You see, Paul, as we bring down this thought, Paul writes to young Timothy, we said earlier, a young preacher going through the fight of faith, and he gives him the words of encouragement. Remember, keep on remembering, Jesus Christ raised from the dead. He's alive and He's with you. He's reigning and He's for you. See, Paul is strengthening and stirring young Timothy, not by reminding him of a historical fact or figure, but saying, Timothy, you remember your risen, reigning, ever-present Lord. You remember, Timothy, because He's the one that stands by your side. He's the one that watches over your life. He's the one that holds you in the palm of His hand, safe and secure regardless of what life throws your way. But let's face it, friends. A dead Savior can't save anybody. A religious philosophy can't take you by the hand and can't hold you in your hour of trial, but Jesus can. A ritual, a dry, dead ritual, cannot draw close and speak to your heart words of comfort and words of peace when you're going through the fiery furnace. But I tell you, a living Savior can. I tell you, your Jesus can. So somebody this morning, let Jesus touch you. Let Jesus talk to you. He's alive. He's not somewhere else. He's not in the grave. He reigns forevermore. And by His Spirit, He's with you. And He speaks to you today to trust Me, to lean on Me. You're not serving a dead philosophy. You're not just going through a religious ritual. You serve the One that hears your cry. You serve the One that knows the pain in your heart. You serve the One that loves you with an everlasting love. He's not far away. He said, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. You serve a risen Savior. He's able to comfort you in your hour of trial. He's able to be your burden bearer. He's able to free you from the snare of the fowler. He's able to bring you through the things people say are impossible to go through. You serve the risen one. You serve the reigning one. Glory to the name of the Lord. Timothy, don't depend on a memory, but lean on and look to a living Lord. May the very real power and presence of Jesus Christ, the risen one, May He be your strength. May He be your comfort. May He be your joy. And because He lives, you that know the Lord this morning, you that love the Lord this morning, you can face death. You can face devils. You can face difficulties unafraid, completely confident in Jesus Christ, the risen One. He's your Savior. He's your shepherd. He's your friend. He's your King. Now that's something to celebrate about. Can you say Amen. And Paul's saying, here, that's it, Timothy. You don't need to buy the latest paperback book that came out. You just need to keep reminding yourself. Remember, Jesus Christ raised from the dead. The one you pray to, He's alive. He can hear you. He's alive. He can answer you. The one you're telling others about, He can live. He can back it up. Amen? Amen. And He's not far away. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He walks with me and talks with me. The long lives, even the narrow ways. He lives, He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me why? Why do we know He lives? He lives within our hearts. Oh, the risen One. He reigns and He's with us. Let's give Him praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. We love You, Lord. We love You. Let us pray. If you're here today and you've never received Christ personally or maybe things aren't what they need to be, then right where you are, Make things right. Right where you are, Jesus, 
I give you my life. I make a fresh commitment, not just to know about you theoretically, but to serve you in reality. You're alive and you're risen and you're worthy. And you're the only way of forgiveness in heaven. Jesus, I want to get right with you. Jesus, I want to give my life to you. As we pray this final prayer, if things are not right between you and the Lord, if you've never prayed a simple prayer of accepting Him and sincerely giving your life to Him, do it now. Do it now. If you've drifted off the path, well, it's easy enough to get back on the path. He's full of mercy and grace and His arms are open wide. Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my straying. Forgive me from ignoring. You are worthy. You've done so much for me. For now on, by Your grace, I'm going to serve You as I ought. That's all it takes. And then live it out. And He'll give you the strength you need to do so. For believers, you keep on remembering your Jesus is alive and your Jesus is with you. Whatever you might be facing, everyone's in a different part of this journey of faith. People face different things. Some are on the mountain, some are on the valley. Wherever you're at, He loves you and He's with you. You can trust His promises. You can rely on His strength within you to give you what you need to bring you through. Amen? Now let me pray the resurrection blessing upon everyone within the sound of my voice. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray resurrection, life, and blessing. We pray the smile of heaven upon Your people. Father, I pray for marriages, for ministries, and for families. I pray the blessing in the life of Jesus Christ, the peace, the joy, the righteousness of the Lord. Let it fill every home. Let it touch every relationship in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for jobs and finances of Your people. We pray blessing. We pray increase. Father God, give them favor on the job. Father, meet their needs financially right now. Jesus, resurrection in the life. We pray for the emotions and the physical bodies of Your people. Lord Jesus, we pray right now, let Your healing power flow. Let Your comfort flow. Father God, I pray, begin to mend people now. Jesus, You are alive. And right now, You are fully able. Heal the hurting, refresh the weary. I pray that heaviness would break. I pray that weight would break. That pressure break by the power of Christ. And I pray right now for all that would receive it, a fresh impartation of divine life, of comfort, of strength to live this life and to overcome every adversary. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. He is risen. Go out and live this life knowing He's risen and He's with you. Can you say amen? amen? God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday.